The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Arthi Shaw, executive editor and host for today's episode. So today we're going to do a pulse check on the state of influencer marketing, um, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, and retail, and then also travel and hospitality. Um, you know, there was there was a moment at starting somewhere around 2018 where um, where it seemed like the biggest opportunity for the PR industry was in influencer marketing. Um, but of course, the the events of 2020 threw a wrench into everything, including influencer marketing programs. So we've brought um, onto today's show two influencing marketing experts from Southwater Communications to sort of give it, give us an update on on the lay of the land. So we have Jen Lake who is SVP at Zapwater, and Stephanie Poquette, who is VP of Social Media and Influencer Programming at Zapwater. Welcome, Jen and Stephanie. Thank you. It's great Hi. to be here. Yeah, you know, and so Jen and Stephanie, so I think you all, both of you um, spoke at Provoke North America 2020, which was in um, February of 2020 in Chicago. And this was before, um, you know, before really the pandemic had taken hold in, in the US anyway. Um, and that world just feels so different than the one we're living in now. And so I'd love for you all to sort of maybe guide us, you know, you know, in terms of like, you know, where you all were at, you know, a year ago um, when it came to influence marketing and kind of take us through a journey in terms of what changed and how the pandemic um, really forced a lot of pivots um, in, this, in this area. Yeah, we had such a wonderful time speaking with you at the conference. It's something we look forward to every single year. And we had a great healthy round um, table discussion. And it's amazing to see how much has transformed since then. Uh, the pandemic has definitely impacted and changed influencer marketing as it has for the entire integrated communications category. Um, and as Steph and I look back, um, Steph and I have worked together for more than a decade. So I feel like we know each other very, very well. And um, after you know speaking together, one thing we know for sure is that the influencer marketing industry is not slowing down. It is still going to be on track to be a $15 billion industry in 2022. But what we saw with the pandemic is budget shift. Uh, we all know that um, we saw marketing dollars be slashed, ad dollars slashed, and, and sadly, obviously, public relations as well. Uh, but that said, we saw the buckets of investment shift. And um, in our experience, we saw a lot of clients spending even more money um, in influencer marketing. Um, and there were many reasons for that. And first of all, because of convenience, uh, that influencers were able to move to market faster. Um, there was also just the necessity, um, you know, when advertising budgets were slashed, it's because they weren't able to get together in photo studios and multi-day shoots and, you know, having 50 uh, people in a, in a room to be able to, to create these advertisements, whereas influencers, again, were able to generate awareness and conversion um, in a quick and efficient manner. Um, so we definitely saw brands, again, really taking influencer marketing way more seriously and shifting their marketing spend towards it. Yeah, that's a great point, John. And I think one of the other things that happened is obviously we went into this year, early 2020, knowing what some of the trends and anticipated ways that brands were gonna be working with influencers 
was, you know, anticipated to be, as well as the social media channels that we thought we were going to see, you know, the most growth on or the most engagement, the most opportunity. Obviously, that all went out the door, right? We had to kind of evaluate where things were shifting pretty quickly from a brand side, but also influencers had to adapt pretty quickly to make sure that they were meeting the demands of brands, but also shifting their content focus, shifting how they're working with brands in order to be a great partner too. So I think one of the things um, that our team saw throughout the year is we had conducted a social media an influencer survey uh, in the summer to just kind of gauge where influencers are at, see how they're adapting, seeing how they're kind of pulsing out new information. One of the biggest trends that we saw was expansion of categories, which was a natural. So those who were within the travel space, those who maybe had only been focused on one specific lifestyle sector, were starting to diversify their content because people were at home, people were locked down, they had you know, more free time, more opportunity. The pandemic was really shifting how people were consuming information, consuming information from brands, but also the content focus areas that they were seeing more interest in. So we saw kind of a big boom within the fitness industry, health and wellness. We saw a lot of shift towards retail and more direct purchases through social media channels. But we also saw travel you know, the travel industry being savvy about how they were repurposing and catering to these new content areas as well. So providing fitness classes, providing cooking classes, providing virtual experiences that allowed influencers to also work with them and tap into this area and these new expansion of categories too. Yeah, I think that's a really excellent point about the expansion of categories. And, and just as a data point, kind of building on what you all said, you know, um, and I, I've said this a few times um, to, to various people, you know, influencer marketing has been one of our fastest growing categories in our Innovation Saber Awards. And, and I was curious if that was still going to be true this year. And sure enough, it was. And the pivots that we saw, and to your, to, your, to your point, Stephanie, around brands being really savvy about partnering with folks, about bringing their experiences home, um, were, really, were, were, were really creative. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, instead of it, there being a pause button, at least from the, the work that I saw, we continue to sort of see this explosion um, in, in, in that category. So, so let's, let's go a little deeper into this diverse, the diversification of content. It would be great if you all could kind of walk us through kind of how the, the, the narratives that were resonating with, audi with, with, with particular, you know, with different audiences, how that shifted throughout the year. Um, and maybe we can focus specifically on kind of the sectors that, that you all have a lot of expertise on. Um, you know, in travel and hospitality, how did we see um, the, the kind of core narratives, you know, the, the themes um, and the topics that were resonating, how did that evolve throughout the year? And then, um, and then let's also look at kind of retail fashion and beauty as well. Yeah, well, we definitely saw a, a big shift, um, you know, the way that, um, I mean, content creators in general were central to how we consumed information in 2020, and then how we shopped, and how, you know, we didn't travel. Um, so, you know, we work uh, close in hand with an amazing affiliate monetization platform called Reward Style that works with influencers to track their conversion across multiple categories. And what we found um, through data research, and even among our own clients, was that um, consumers were spending more money with influencers more than ever. In fact, in the first half of the year in 2020, um, RewardStyle had $500 million worth of product sales um, in, the, yeah, in the first half of the year alone, which is just crazy. In fact, they saw 150% year-over-year conversion increase in the categories of home, fitness, and skincare and beauty. And among our clients, we saw that too. Um, so again, this is where we saw a lot of our brands continue 
continue to invest and pour, frankly, gasoline on the fire of their influencer marketing strategies because they saw a direct return on investment um, through those efforts. Um, and Steph can talk a little bit more about the travel sector too. Yeah, so I think when it comes to the travel space, we teed, you know, we teed it up a little bit with the last question, but travel was in a really unique position. I think for a lot of you know our partners within this space and obviously just monitoring the space, a lot of resorts, a lot of de tourism destinations fully had to close um, for lack of a better way of positioning that. You know, Some of them had to close for a couple months because it just wasn't feasible. And some of the tourism destinations weren't allowing visitors um, to visit due to the pandemic. So staying relevant obviously for these tourism destinations and these resorts and hotels was especially important during this time you know losing two months of content was not an option so i think one of the things that we were seeing more throughout this time is resorts and hotels and tourism destinations really digging into the focus areas the content buckets the different ways that travelers experience that destination bringing that to the virtual realm this isn't you know anything new that anyone did this year definitely there was a lot of virtual experiences there's still a lot of virtual experiences happening but what is a little bit different about this you know this pandemic than maybe you know uh, like the swine flu or things that have happened in the past is really we are a very social media savvy world right now. We get a lot of our news. We get a lot of the daily updates from social. So people were looking to social resorts, tourism destinations, everything to have the latest updates as quickly as possible and to be providing programming that was multifunctional and also engaging at the same time. So useful, you know, influencers was really helpful on that front and helping diversify that content past partners who had been to the destinations, uh, past partners who had really worked with us well in providing content or you know, unique experiences from a virtual perspective really helped kind of keep those destinations relevant, exciting, and at the forefront of social still. So we weren't losing out on, you know, just having pages or brands being quiet for months at a time. Yeah, no, that's a great point. In fact, and just to, just, to, just to plug some of our entries again for the Innovation Sabers, we saw some fantastic work um, around kind of, Stephanie, the points that you made, kind of, you know, creating these virtual experiences and keeping some destinations top of mind or even um, you know in in some cases um, some resorts had had put in some some safety protocols to make it um, appealing and you know we saw yeah we just saw some really really great and interesting work in that in that regard um, you know I want to I want to um, go back to um, you know we've talked a lot about return on investment and how um, lucrative that can be for brands when it comes to influencer marketing so I, I'm curious if, if, if you all can speak a little bit more to that. I mean, I know, um, Jen, you had mentioned the affiliate marketing links. Can you talk a little bit more about that and sort of, you know, how that area, you know, what are some key trends that we've seen there and maybe we'll see in 2021? But yeah, I'd love to kind of dig a little deeper into what kind of return on investment looks like with influencer marketing. Yeah, we you know, are very clear that vanity metrics are out the window and it can't just be about, you know, an influencer's engagement, uh, follower account, reach, or unique visitors per month to a blog. Um, there needs to be quantitative measurement to show how their efforts are actually translating to bottom line results. And to your point, um, affiliate marketing has just been one avenue that we have found to be extremely powerful in showing those tangible metrics to our clients in real time 
Uh, so affiliate links are something that influencers are incorporating into their blog content, uh, into their social media content, swipe ups and beyond. And um, again, that is giving uh, brands insight into revenue performing influencers, those that are actually driving um, you know, sales. And so we have been working closely with clients to integrate that as a part of their strategies to give them an extra layer of confidence in our results. Um, and I can expect that it'll continue to be a trend far into 2021 and, and beyond. And some candid conversations that we have uh, with clients, and I realize this is a completely different topic, but it still is relevant. Um, affiliate marketing is also becoming a very important part of media relations. Um, a lot of uh, media outlets are now incorporating affiliate links into their content as well because it's an ad revenue channel and resource for them. So um, it's going to play an even larger role in the future. Um, and with that comes you know, concerns about transparency and making sure there's disclosures and brands really need to be savvy about FTC guidelines related to affiliate links and certainly sponsored posts. Uh, but we have really found success in um, affiliate marketing um, as, as a part of our strategies. Can you, can you give us a little bit more, I think that, that piece that you mentioned just now, Jen, about um, kind of media relations and affiliate links, um, can you give us a little bit more detail around the types of media publications that are more um, amenable to, to, to affiliate links? I mean, obviously, you know, we, you know, things like Wirecutter and, and you know, reviews, um, I, you know, I've seen it pretty widely used there. But um, what about with um, sort of, you know, feature writing and news writing, where, where are you seeing um, like what's the state of affiliate marketing there? We're seeing it very prevalent in women and men's general consumer outlets. Uh, so you'll find it, um, you know, on websites like Refinery29 and PureWow. I mean, even for holiday gift guides, we would receive, um, you know, email inquiries from journalists saying, you know, we need your client to be a part of Amazon affiliate program in order for us to include you in the list. Uh, so you know, it is becoming omnipresent. Um, there, again, has to be disclosure at the top um, that they're using and incorporating affiliate links, but it is, it is being seen now everywhere, um, which, is, which is pretty incredible. Wow. No, I mean, that is, that really is. I mean, that, you know, that journalists are basically saying, hey, look, I need, I need an affiliate marketing link in order to, um, to include this in, in, a, in a gift guide or in a roundup. Is it, that, that's a huge change um, and one that I think we'll continue to watch um, and to your point about about transparency, I mean, it, so I mean, it sounds like right now the bar for that is really just 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 disclosure. Is there is there anything else, or do you foresee any other complications that might arise that you all are planning for, or or does it seem like that sort of disclosure is sufficient at this point? The disclosure is important, um, but it's especially essential as agencies and brands are building out their contracts uh, for campaigns. Um, you know, we have um, disclosure information, FTC guideline, um, rules, regulations um, included in, in our agreements, and, and that is incredibly important. And frankly, it's changing all the time. So you really need to be up to speed on, on what is expected. Uh, so yeah, disclosure will continue to be important, but agencies need to keep a very very close eye on the FTC guideline changes to make sure that again your contracts are, are solid and sound and speaking in terms of the fashion beauty home and CPG space even if you're sending out mailers to influencers releasing a new product you should and you know include 
even um, information and verbiage in there to let say that it's gifted and to disclose that. So it's not just about affiliate linking, but really disclosing um, free product and, and beyond. You know, I, I have a question on this and around, around trust. You know, we, it's, I think the, the trust barometer just came out. And I mean, one thing that's cons it's been consistent over the last several years has been this erosion of trust that's happening, right? And, and I wonder how you all navigate that with influencer marketing. I mean, I, I mean, just, I mean, I'm speaking now as a consumer, but you know, when I partake and, you know, consume influencer, influencer content, I, I do check to see if the influencer had been gifted when they're talking about a specific product. And, and, and I will say personally, as a consumer, it, it, I, I'm less interested some, sometimes in that content. And, and I don't, and I don't think I'm alone in this as I, as I kind of, in my research, I was, you know, I looked at comments and it seems like that's, a, that's fairly common. Um, how do you all navigate that? How do you, you know, both, you know, do, you know, have the disclosures, which are important, um, and then also build trust with audiences so that they can, um, yeah, so that they, they, they trust what the influencer has to say. Yeah, so I think part of that first and foremost is just knowing your brand, knowing your brand well, knowing the values that are important to you, knowing the verticals that speak most to you, knowing the qualities that you want to represent as a brand. So that's an exercise that as an influencer marketing agency, as a PR agency, that's your service that you need to do to your brand is really make sure that they're digging deep to figure out what those things are. And then having a strong and sound influencer marketing strategy, you know, not just gifting to everyone for the sake of gifting and getting product you know, out to 300 people, but really making decisions on who you're going to work with uh, based on their values, based on past content, based on where they align, and also having healthy discussions with them and sometimes their management team about if the product is a right fit for them. I think we're starting to see brands be more thoughtful about gifting and sponsored content in general. So who they're working with, not doing mass mailers, which, you know, th that kind of is a practice of the past that I think brands are starting to taper away from because they also want to be smarter about the investments that they're making on the influencer front. And really, you know, do you want to spend X amount of dollars on a mailer or would you rather have two strategic partners who are really going to be moving the needle for you, really aligned with your brand values and really helping you build content that is strong for you to be re like repurposed but also strong speaking to uh, the experience of your product. And I think we're starting to see more brands shift that way. So I think as we're seeing more brands shift that way, as we're seeing more brands being really thoughtful, strategic, mindful of the influencers that they're working with, that piece that you're talking about, that trust piece, that um, kind of the consumer piece when you're looking at it is going to start to like wean off a little bit because you're going to start seeing the influencers that you love, the influencers that you follow, only making really natural decisions for themselves, really authentic decisions. You know, if they're a fitness influencer and they are fitness through and through, really having partnerships that make sense for them so that you don't feel like, oh, they're just pushing this because they got it gifted, but they're pushing this, they're talking about this, they're sharing this with me because it's something that they truly value themselves as well. Yeah, I think we're seeing so much spawn con fatigue among consumers. Um, they're becoming so savvy and really paying attention to those influencers that are consistently promoted gifted items, participating in loop giveaways, um, constantly posting paid partnership features. Um, those are things that influencers have to take a very close look at, but even more so agencies and brands really um, auditing an influencer's content 
um, to make sure that their you know, key messages and their announcements and all the things that they want to come through to actually resonate with consumers. Um, so you know, we really look at an agency um, at um, an influencer sponsor sponsorship content mix uh, to make sure that they're not going over a certain percentage um, so that, you know, uh, again, when we do tap them for even just, you know, product campaigns that, that again, we are confident that um, it's going to resonate. I just, I just, I learned a new word just now, SponCon. SponCon, uh, oh, yes. the worst. <laughs> That's great. So, okay, so one, one last question sort of on, on, on related to this. Um, is, you know, in, in addition to sort of the trust building piece, I mean, what about other sort of risk mitigation efforts, you know, in order to sort of vet um, an influencer so that, you know, to ensure that you're not going to unearth some information that later proved to be damaging or even, you know, future behavior, right? I mean, today's, you know, someone who seems like a great influencer partner today may engage in some sort of, you know, behavior a few weeks from now after, you know, everything's signed. That, that could be damaging to the brand or even weeks, months, years, who knows. Um, so how do you, what, what are the strategies for risk mitigation? Yeah, it requires a deep analysis of, you know, an, uh, influencers past um, reviewing their analytics, um, their growth and, and just their channels. Um, you know, if 2020 taught us anything, um, it's the fact that, you know, influencers were really um, taken to task by consumers to speak up and speak out against a lot of the things that we saw from Black Lives Matter to even the insurrection at the Capitol. Um, it really made influencers have to take a hard look at where they wanted to speak up and speak out about things. And it really created this continuum of influencers that were speaking up um, and some that were staying silent. And so I think brands um, are really going to have to take a look at, you know, how they're going to be casting and analyzing um, and, and what their comfort level is. Um, it is the nature of, of the state of influencer marketing as it stands. Uh, so doing a very deep dive into an influencer's background and seeing what they're speaking up about and um, their analytics is, is key. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, some of the events that you mentioned were sort of top of mind when I, when I was asking that question, right? Um, so, you know, and another, uh, kind of going in a different direction now, um, you know, we, Stephanie, you talked a little bit about sort of the travel and hospitality and how they um, kind of pivoted to virtual experiences and, and kind of other ways of sort of bringing those experiences home to people. Um, I'm curious to look um, at, at retail, fashion, and beauty, um, and how that storyline changed, given that, you know, I mean, you know, one of the one of the big things of 2020 was, you know, no, nobody, everybody's wearing stretch pants now, right? Um, and, and, and even in terms of beauty, I mean, I know there were these tips about um, how to look great on Zoom, but then initially that was sort of met with some backlash around, like, wait a second, why are we expecting people, um, why are we holding them, to, especially women, to these beauty standards at a time when people are managing a lot? So I'm curious to know kind of how, what, what were the stories in, in beauty, um, fashion, and, and retail that really resonated um, during the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. I think to your point, there was no end to the yoga pants, the sweat, the athleisure sweat suit, yeah. thing on that front. We definitely saw that trending and happening. Um, but I think really this year, and I'm happy about it as well, and it's one of the things Jen and I were talking about the other day is, you know, it's a discussion and topic sometimes that isn't always at the forefront, but health and wellness and mental health and wellness really became a very strong topic this year, a very, you know, trending topic. It's something that we saw not only... Um, 
brands leaning into a little bit more, and especially those brands that you were just talking about, those that are in the retail, health, lifestyle, beauty, um, kind of fashion space, but also influencers um, leaning into that messaging a little bit more, being a little more candid, being a little bit more authentic about how the pandemic, about how these social situations were really affecting them and having honest, vulnerable, open conversations about that. And I think we started to see um, shopping habits and shopping patterns and things start to mimic that. So within the beauty space, we saw a lot of um, brands kind of maybe putting their health and wellness products at the forefront. Traditional beauty brands are also creating new products that were catering to this health and wellness lifestyle. So new products that are, you know, everything from face masks to, you know, machines that you can use at home for at-home facials, from sweatsuits and athleisure clothing to um, wellness journals and just kind of, you know, water bottles that help you drink a gallon of water a day. We really saw a lot of brands pivoting into this space and making that kind of one of the topics that they were talking about. And we saw influencers being more authentic and kind of true to, you know, I think who they are and a little less glossy on the forefront. So it was really nice to see brands kind of moving into that space and having some of those honest conversations within kind of the beauty, health, wellness field and retailer, um, you know, fashion field and also seeing influencers kind of match that. And then obviously to Jen's point before from the reward style numbers and obviously just Facebook, Facebook shops, Instagram shops, um, Pinterest shops, seeing some of the outstanding numbers last year from how sales performed there. It was an area where there was a lot of interest and probably something that's not slowing down considering where we're still at in 2021. Yeah, there was this kind of hashtag no filter trend that we saw or the no edit edit. Consumers were expecting influencers to show up and really be real about, you know, I'm wearing a Zoom, you know, pretty top, but on the bottom, I'm definitely wearing, you know, sweatpants to, you know, less makeup and more focused on skincare. And I think 2020 really was about consumers craving a guide, not an aspirational icon. They wanted influencers to be like a sister or a brother, someone they could go to for advice and to really show up and not try to, as Steph mentioned, gloss over or, you know, be too done up. And so I think we're going to see that trend continue um, from a sales perspective and the types of things um, and products that consumers are investing in. Um, but I do think looking ahead that we're also going to see a slight resurgence um, of some, some glamour, if you will, almost kind of like how the 1918 flu pandemic, you know, led into the roaring 20s. I do, do still think that we're going to see 2021 a resurgence of a little bit more polished um, and aspirational um, just because people have been in this hashtag no filter state for so long. Right, right. In fact, I think your, your point about wellness and, and the in-home improvement, I know even in our, in our innovation savers, we saw so many entries that were kind of rooted in either um, some sort of wellness idea concept or home improvement. And I can speak to the fact that I have paint swatches all over my house with the intention to, yeah. to, to paint because I'm tired of looking at my walls the color they are. But um, so yeah, I mean, I, th 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 we definitely saw that reflected. Um, and even some, some brands, it was, it was unexpected um, that they were sort of foraying into that space. You know, I, Jen, I wanted to touch on something that you just said about, you know, what, you know, your, your, your forecast for 2021 and, you know, how you think, you know, there, there will be a resurgence of um, glamour and sort of aspirational um, looks and, and you know it's it's and I, this is again maybe we can close on this and um, I don't know if either you want I don't know how bold you want to go but let's let's try to be as bold as we can in terms of coming up with 
um, a forecast for 2021. And, and I expect that it's quite difficult to do that because you know we know that 2021 won't look exactly like 2020. It will not look like 2019. And then there's also the, the wild cards, you know, I mean, I, I don't think um, you know, I mean, things like the insurrection, right? I mean, there, there are things that, that, that were, um, I don't want to say totally unpredictable because I don't think that's the case, but, you know, these, 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 um, these things that happen that, you know, we don't have a ton of control over. So um, with that in mind, sort of how are you all thinking about 2021 and what do you have any bold predictions and, and, when you, and what are you counseling um, brands around for, for this year? Yeah, I feel like I think of this in, in three different ways. We have our brand predictions, influencer predictions, and then just even agency predictions. And I kind of want to start with the agency prediction. And that's because of the nature of influencer marketing and the amount of growth and budget that's being put towards it. I predict that the organization organizational structure will shift. Um, I think that we will see more and more roles carved out, especially at the senior leadership level um, that's focused strictly on influencer marketing um, and the inter integrated communications constellation. Um, you know, uh, we've had even conversations about this before about, you know, it's a relatively new medium. You know, the first blog at, post ever published was 1994, whereas, you know, newspapers have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. So we're really in the third inning of influencer marketing. And I think that um, agencies that advance their influencer marketing teams will be well positioned to provide the best strategies um, and the most efficient tactical approaches um, moving forward. Excellent point, um, Stephanie. Do you want to um, do you want to tackle tackle that question? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's bold by any means, and I think we kind of touched on it. But one of the trends that I it's refreshing to see, one of the trends that I loved out of last year, and one that I think is actually going to shape the industry, how brands and influencers are working together, is that authenticity piece. I think it is really refreshing for people to start seeing the multiple layers of influencers, um, not just the, you know, not just the pretty pictures, but also kind of the bad days and kind of the brands that are catering to the different facets of life. So it's not always, you know, a great makeup look and an outfit. That definitely is part of part of it. And to Jen's point, I think we're going to see that coming back throughout this year, but being honest and being open about the times and, you know, the experiences that are happening to all of us, having honest discussions about what's going on in kind of, you know, the countries that they live in, being honest about when maybe they're having a bad day or how they're tackling some of those things. And really on the brand front, making strong and strategic decisions about who you're working with so that the flexibility with your brand, the ups and downs of your brand, or, you know, the new products, the new features of your brand that cater to these different moments in people's lives are also simultaneously working with authentic partners that can help you run that out. I think brands and influencers have always said that they're authentic and definitely I think they were being their most authentic self at that time, but I think we're seeing an even greater picture into or a greater look into brands and influencers and I don't see that slowing down and it's one of the trends that I love most that's happening right now. You know, that's one of the things that's so interesting to me is that there is no one size content style for influencers. And, you know, um, in, in kind of the early days, it was easy to sort of categorize them at all, you know, is all kind of having a specific kind of look and style. But one of the things I've noticed is, you know, some are incredibly polished and that appeals to maybe sort of an aspirational audience that, 
and others are much more like you know like you said like their their bad days their their blemishes all of that are, are much more apparent and and they sort of have a different appeal that's more like a friend right or a peer mm -hmm. um, so it's just interesting that like yeah i mean in, in the beginning i think people would paint with some broad strokes around like well influencers are like this and um the content that the style of content really seems to vary yeah and i think we're going to see consumers playing catch up with that too i you know there's always a bit of this uh, kind of consumer thought about influencers and that they're a certain type of way and that they're a certain type of individual. But I think we're catching up a little bit here on the consumer front too, with people getting a better, you know, bringing themselves back to reality. We're like thinking about celebs and everything the same way. They do go through some of the same social struggles and, um, you know, the pandemic, obviously we're all handling it and we all have different means of how we can handle it. But being, you know, having those open conversations, creating those kind of dialogues, if you will, having safe spaces to have conversations too with these influencers that you have been following for years and maybe brands are a part of that discussion. We saw a lot of brands being part of that discussion with, um, you know, some of the social issues that have been happening throughout this year. I, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that continues, but you know, it's, it's a really kind of interesting trend and kind of a cool trend that happened this year, bringing more authenticity to the internet and just that ongoing dialogue between influencers, brands, and their consumers too. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this was a, this was such a great conversation, Stephanie and Jen, and um, it's, it's amazing how this topic has so many different subsets and subtopics to, to explore. Um, and this is something that I think we will continue to talk about on, on, on this podcast as well. Um, so, but, but thank you, Stephanie, and thank you, Jen, for your time today. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah thank and you. Yeah, and, and we will and we will be back soon with another episode of the of the Provoke Podcast. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist Marketeers.